Right, if you've got a Bible, um, turn to the book of Acts. And um, I'm going to be reading a few verses from there in a moment. Um, last week, uh, I wasn't here, but I was still on my two-week holiday. And, um, but Ben spoke on the beginning of this new series in the book of Acts called Church in Action. As um, Luke, who travelled with the apostles, with Paul and others, started to write down, basically, you know, what was going on. And he wrote to his friend, said, hey, this is what happened. And um, so this is kind of eyewitness testimony um, that's been obviously shaped and so on. Um, but I'm grateful for Luke, <laughs> you know, obviously God and his sovereignty, you know, had it all sort of, but, you know, Luke was obedient to do that. He brought his gift to bear. I don't know, did I mention that here last time I spoke about Luke? I can't remember. But it's often in the background a little bit. But, you know, he did what he was meant to do. <laughs> and he wasn't necessarily up front all the time like Paul and others. But because of Luke, we have this. Because he was obedient. And it records this start of the church. And last week, what did Ben speak about last week? What illustration did he use? Come on, test now for those that were here. Fire. Triangle. And what about the fire triangle? Three things. What do you need for fuel? What was it, Ben? Fuel? Ben knows, he did it. Huh? You have to shout loud if I'm going to hear you. I'm going to. Huh? Need was one of them, wasn't it? Absolutely. So the the fire triangle is what? Is um, oxygen, heat and fuel. That was it. And then you've got out of this truth. So um, truth instead of um, oxygen. So the resurrected Jesus, that's the message. The power um, that's needed, the, the, the heat, as it were, is the Holy Spirit. So instead of heat, and then the fuel was the need of a broken world. And, and to be honest, you know, again, this week just is a, just another example of the, um, the, the, the world we live in. You know, whether it's death or whether it's trouble or also great beauty and so on we see in the world that it's just this is the world we live in isn't it it's both and all the time these things going on there is a real need in our world there's a, a lost world and uh, out of this message that peter gets up and preaches uh, in acts chapter two and again I, I just love it you know it's peter the one who denied jesus three times the one who was wonderfully graciously restored you know he blew it and yet here he is on his feet Yes, he'd fallen. Yes, he tripped over. But he's on his feet because of the grace of God. And that's the only reason that any of us are on our feet, isn't it? Yeah? (laughs) That's the only reason I'm on my feet anyway. It's because of the grace of God. And so Peter stands up and preaches. And then we see these people responding to this message in chapter 2. So we're going to read from verse 37 and to verse 47. I'm not going to cover all of it necessarily in depth, but we'll just read those verses. And this is the emergence of the early church. And, and Luke kind of records what happened after this message, but then some kind of hallmarks. Uh, a hallmark being, you know, the stamp on a piece of gold or silver or something that shows its authenticity. It says, this is the, the thing. And these, this mark, and there's certain marks of the church, if you like, that Peter, um, Peter that Luke starts to record here. So Acts chapter 2, if you've got your Bible, um, verse 37 says this. Now when they heard this, that's the message that Peter's preached, they were pierced to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers and sisters, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent, each of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
For the promise is for you, for your children, for all who are far off. As many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received his word were baptized. That day there were added about 3,000 people. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and wonder, as signs, um, and, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed, they were together. They had all things in common. They began selling their property and possessions and sharing them with all as anyone had need. And day by day, they were continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness, sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. So like I said, I'm not going to cover everything. There's loads here. And again, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you've probably heard this passage preached a hundred times. You know, maybe you're new to the Bible, though. Maybe you're new to this whole Christianity type thing and you're here this morning. And, but I hope that there'll be something here for all of us, no matter where we're at. I just want to talk about three things, really, that come out of this for me in terms of what they share as a community. There's a shared identity with them. There's a shared possessions that we see. And then there's this shared table as well. This sort of unpacking what sort of fellowship looks like. I'll start with the first thing, the shared identity that I see here is in this. We ask questions. All of us do. Who am I? Why am I here? What's life really all about? Everybody asks these questions, I think, at some point in their lives. Where do I belong? That's a big question, isn't it? Where do I fit in this world? Of 7 billion people plus, 7 billion plus people, where do I actually fit in this world? Where do I belong? And people are looking for community. They're looking to be part of something that is bigger than themselves. I think it's actually um, shown through certain studies that if you live a life like that, that you're part of something that is bigger than you, actually it's very good for you. It's healthy for you. Um, And so people are looking for this. Uh, In all sorts of places, all sorts of ways, people are looking to build communities. And we can see that all over. Um, I've mentioned before about, you know, I joined Russell Brand's community online just to see what he was saying and see what he was talking about. And he's trying to build this community of people. People are thirsty for it. And so we're looking for this. And there's another community that came to mind when I was preparing for this, mainly because of what else has happened this week, which is Lord of the Rings has come out on Amazon. Now, I don't know if it's, I realise with Lord of the Rings, it's a little bit of a, some people love it, some people just can't be bothered with it and all the rest of it. I do get that. But I happened to finish the extended DVDs with my son this week as well. We've just been watching through all three of them. Um, does anyone not know what Lord of the Rings is and The Hobbit and those things? I mean, if it's fine, if you don't, that's fine. Yeah. Well, basically, it's, it's a mythological fantasy um, books that were written by J.R. Tolkien many years ago now. Um, Tolkien, I hope you pronounce his name. About this world called Middle Earth, and you've got elves and dwarves and um, humans and all sorts of uh, creatures and all sorts of stuff. And you've got this battle against good and evil, basically. And you've got these rings of power and, um, and uh, this one ring that needs to be destroyed. And you get this kind of ragtag, unlikely bunch of people together 
who are known as the Fellowship of the Ring. And there's this group, there's a scene in the film, in the first film, Fellowship of the Ring, where they get together and you've got like a, uh, a couple of, hob- what, four hobbits there. You've got elves, you've got dwarves, and elves and dwarves don't mix, right? They wouldn't normally, they don't like each other very much. You've got, you know, uh, humans there as well. And you've got this real ragtag mixed bunch of people. But they have this wonderful sort of shared identity and mission together that through the film just you can see their bonds growing closer and closer and closer and closer together. These deep friendships form. Even towards the end of the film, the the last film where you've got this elf and this dwarf, Gimli and Legolas, who wouldn't normally mix. And there's this kind of love-hate relationship going on through the whole thing. And at the end when they're kind of facing death, and Gimli, this dwarf, says, you know, he's, he's like, I never thought I'd die next to an elf. And Legolas just says, well, how about dying next to a friend? And it actually is a really poignant bit in the film. And it makes me think about church. <laughs> Not that you're all elves and dwarfs. <laughs> I put myself in there. But we're so different, aren't we? We really are. And you look next to someone, it's like, well, how, do, how are we together? How are we sitting around the table? We're different. Well, it's because we've been called together around Christ. A shared identity and who Jesus is and what he's done. That's what the gospel does. It brings people together in this. That they're devoted to the fellowship. This word that means going together. Before I was a Christian, fellowship was one of these Christian words I didn't like. It was just, you know, I've become a Christian. I thought, that's a very churchy word, fellowship. I'm off to fellowship. What does that even mean? Then I learned what it meant. I thought, ah, oh, it's a really rich word, actually. This beautiful going together, this partnership, this closeness. Is, you've got each other's backs. You're walking with each other through thick and thin, through the difficulty, through the ups and the downs. And again, through Lord of the Rings, you've got this through these different seasons they go through. But they stay together. They laugh together. They grieve together. They argue together. But they stay together. There's this beautiful shared identity. And how did they become this? Well, it came out of the message, like I said. It says that they accepted the message in Acts 2.41. They heard this message. Well, what message did they hear? What kind of message actually does this? Seriously, what message brings people together from these such diverse backgrounds across all the world, in every country, in every nation? What other message does it? I was driving through the city the other day in Norwich, and um, I drove past a chap who crossed the road in front of me. And he had a T-shirt on. And his T-shirt said this. Be good. No, do good and be nice. The wave of the future. Okay. Do good. Be nice. The wave of the future. This is the way forward. If we just do that. Well, that's a message. And I don't disagree. Let's do good. <laughs> yeah, let's be nice to each other. Is that it? Is that honestly it? Is that, and maybe, I'm sure it's not his solution to all the world's ills, but you know, even Russell Brand, he, he, he reduced down, and I don't know whether he was saying this tongue in cheek or not, so I want to be careful not misquoting him, but he said the main message of every scripture, every world religion out there, is be nice. I thought, what have you read them? And it's reducing these things down, and, and you're like, is this the message that is going to meet the problems of the world, Really? And our deepest problems as well in our lives, really. Are these messages going to do it? Is this the message that people heard that day? And this new community of thousands of Jews start worshipping Jesus as God. Is that the message they heard? No. You know, we need something more than that. 
It's not that it's wrong to be good and kind to people. They're absolutely right. But we've been saying that for years and centuries and it doesn't seem to really deal with the, the problems we see in the world. Again, like I said this week, when you look across the world, you see the things that are going on. You see the amazing good, but you see the depths of evil that go on in the world. You think, Lord, what, what is going to sort this? And this is where the gospel message comes in. It's a unique message that really does say we're worse than we think we are. But we're more loved than we ever thought, and God is better than we ever thought. Message that says we need someone greater than us to sort out what we're in. Yeah, we've got this little dog called Dottie. I always make it clear in our home that she's not my dog. Um, and um, she's a bit odd, to be fair. But she, you know, like some dogs, they love just rolling in fox poo. I don't get it. Any dog people that dogs do this? And boy, does it stink. I mean, another level. And she came back covered one day in fox poo, and she needed sorting out. Now, there's no way that Dottie is going to clean herself up. She hasn't got the intelligence. She hasn't got the ability to do it herself, to clean that off her. She needs someone bigger than her, greater than her, with things at their disposal that Dottie doesn't have to clean her mess up. And believe you me, the stuff within humanity, we need something greater. And the life and the death and, death and resurrection of Jesus is that message that Peter preached. That we need this forgiveness, this deep. The issue is the human heart. Something's gone wrong at a heart level and the heart doesn't mean my emotional feelings. That's not what the heart means in the Bible. It means the very center of who you are, where you act out of, where you live out of, where you make your decisions in life from. That's the heart. And it's, that's the place the Bible promises to do something within so when we say Jesus comes into our heart, we're not saying that in a kind of Valentine's Day. Oh, Jesus has come into my heart. Isn't it lovely? We're saying that the, he's come into the very center of who I am, the core of my will, my emotion, my decision making, my, my life. And, and has changed me at the place I needed changing, that I can now live in a different way. That's the message. And it's all of grace as well. Because it says they were baptized, they get baptized. They, they're basically saying, I'm all in to Jesus. I was thinking about this as well with baptism. You ever, when you got baptized or where you've seen a baptism, people, growing ups and others, but you know, people are growing up. They get up in front of people and they get dunked in a shed load of water. Never strike you as, you know, it's a bit odd, isn't it, really, in today's culture, let's be real. So why baptism? Why is it this thing, get baptized? Why go under the water? Yes, we know it's a, it's a story there being told, isn't it? It's, it's the death of Jesus. You're being buried with him. You're being raised down to the water. Yeah, it's a wonderful way of saying that picture. But someone else put it this way. I found it really helpful. They said, also, what other picture could there be that would be kind of relevant across all nations, through all times, that everyone could kind of do, that also showed something of a complete um, identification with the story of Jesus, total immersion in. When you're baptized, you're saying, I'm all in for Jesus. All in. Covered. Does that make sense? All in. So if you're here and you, you're a Christian and you're not being baptized, get baptized. It says it here. If you've responded to that message, to get baptized. And I talk to one of the elders here or something. Grab someone, your community group leaders, whoever. Talk to someone about it. But get baptized. 
And it says they were added in then. They were added into these people. It's based on grace, not on personality, not on performance, not on intelligence, not on their background, not on their social standing, not on their ability, not on passing an exam, not in ticking some boxes. Someone was talking to me this week about becoming a member of the, uh, a, um, not a member of the United Kingdom, <laughs> a um, resident. You know, you've got to go through this residency test. I thought, I couldn't pass that. <laughs> some of the questions. I won't have a clue. You haven't got to do that. But you place your trust in Jesus. And you're in. And the Bible says you're baptized into the body, into the church. A little quote from a book called Total Church said, It's not that I belong to God. This is important. It's not that I belong to God and then make a decision to join a local church. Right? My being in Christ as a Christian means being in Christ with those others who are in Christ. This is my identity. If the church is the body of Christ, then we should not live as disembodied Christians. They were devoted to one another, to being together. Now, this might be a little bit pedantic or a little bit picky or whatever. But I don't think we go to church. I think we are the church and we gather. I can't find anywhere in the New Testament so far... Now, I'm happy to be shown wrong. I'm wrong, but I can't find anywhere so far where it says go to church. Doesn't say it, I don't think. It says you are the church. This is who you are, your identity. As Christ followers, you're part of the body of Christ. And then you give yourself to gathering with one another in all sorts of different settings. Throughout the week in smaller settings and today and on Sundays and things like that. But you give yourself. Why? Well, for all sorts of reasons, we need to unpack all that another time. I won't launch into that now. But the point is this, is that's who you are. Your identity, our shared identity together in this mission is you are the body of Christ. And we give ourselves, they were devoted to fellowship through thick and thin. And I know it's costly sometimes. I know it's hard sometimes. I know things you've been through together. But we keep following Jesus through these things and applying this gospel message to our lives. And the church gets built. I won't spend as long on these next two points, right? That shared identity, shared possessions. Again, our materialistic culture, this is what they did. We see it here. And, and, and I remember seeing one Black Friday thing once when there was these two people fighting over this 40-inch TV or something, or 50-inch or 100-inch TV, I don't know. But I remember seeing this picture of these two people trying to get this TV for cheaper price. And you're just thinking, it's, it's glass and metal and stuff. That's it. That's all that is. And you're fighting over it. What have we come to? And in the Lord of the Rings, you've got this thing with the, the ring, this ring, Gollum. You know, I'm not going to do an impression of him. You know, um, you know, my precious. You get it in the Hobbit as well. Another thing about Middle Earth. There you've got this dwarf king who gets this treasure sickness comes over him from all the gold. Money has power. These things have power. This is why Jesus said you cannot worship both God and money. You're going to have one master. <laughs> and believe you me, money is a master to people. You've probably several examples where money can be a master to people. And it ain't a good master. It's not a good thing to have calling the shots in your life. So how we view our possessions matters. And it says here, they were together. They had everything in common. They were selling their possessions and goods. And they gave to anyone as they had need. And in, in Acts chapter 4 as well, it goes on. Um, where it sort of starts talking about the community again. And it says there, and I find this really challenging. It says that there were no needy persons among them. 
None. Now, is Luke exaggerating to make a point here? Is he sort of just a generalization thing? Or is he being real that this community of believers, no, no one was needy because they met one another's needs. It gives me pause for thought when I read that. And I think about the kind of present climate we're in now and the financial stretch that people are in, um, challenges that are going to be faced. I think, okay, they had no one needy among them. Yes, we help those out and we do that. But actually, the Bible also tells us, think of one another here. It's worth just pausing on that and thinking about that yourselves. And, you know, in community groups, talking about that. What does this look like as a church to keep an eye out for one another? I heard a story this week at King's and don't always hear all these sort of stories, but occasionally I do. And I can't give names or anything, but it was basically someone who really was in need and had stepped out in faith in something. They couldn't, they, they were no way they were going to afford something, but it was absolutely right to do for their child. And then I heard that someone anonymously had just come to our financial guy and said that they wanted to pay for this over the next three years for this person. Completely anonymous. And this person was telling me, and I know their situation, and I know the people involved here. And I thought, man, that's, that's going to bear fruit. It's the thankfulness that was coming, the gratitude. But it's just looking out for one another and doing what it says here and working out how we apply that into our local context. And again, our giving, you know, our regular giving, our, our on top of that giving, as it were, it flows from this gospel of grace again it's really important isn't it i know you know this but that it's rooted in grace it's rooted in the generosity of god to us out from there frees us up from stuff it is only stuff we bought nothing in we're taking nothing with us anyway it's just stuff to manage in between but we get to use it for the benefit of others yeah and so let's be thinking about that how we apply that particularly in this next season and then there's a shared table as well that I said before, we want to belong. We want to have a place with others. And I wonder whether that's seen or felt more clearly than around a table. And, and, and again, when I think about this, I thought, do you know what? I probably don't know what it's really like to eat alone on a regular basis. It's just my experience in life is that I have family and, and all the rest of it. But I'm very aware, acutely aware, for others actually eat alone more regularly. And I don't know how you feel about that. Maybe you got used to it or whatever, but maybe you don't like it. Or... But I can remember eating once alone when I was in an airport. And I sat in a restaurant. And I just sat there with my meal and I thought, oh, Billy No Mates. Oh, this feels really odd. I'm not used to this. And for a split moment, I thought, well, what's it like for others who are in this situation on a more regular in their lives? I thought, wow. I didn't like it. I had to FaceTime someone. <laughs> Uh, you know now maybe it's not a big deal for you but again here what we have in the book of acts is in in these verses we just read it says they broke bread in their homes and that might mean between communion it's not 100 percent. it might mean they just literally they ate together because it says they ate together with glad and sincere hearts and again pointing towards maybe this meal this communion which we're going to get to but there's something about being around a table isn't there like jesus when he was around the table people it just said you're accepted you're loved. There's something about sharing a meal with one another, isn't there? That, that it's just great. It, friendships are built over food. You know, and, and it's important. I know, you know, I'm sure it's been a value, but COVID, you know, as, uh, you know, put a torpedo in that, didn't it? It's like we can't even 
see each other, let alone eat together. But now we're starting to find our way, and there are different ones in different places, and we don't want to put pressure on. But hey, where we can, get around the table with people again. Eat together. So important. Inviting others into that. Martin preached on hospitality in, back in July. Have a listen to that again. But it's really important that we do that. Um, it's not just about, for, you know, organized gatherings like this or an evening thing, whatever it is, but these just informal gatherings around the table. I've, yeah, Gene and I have enjoyed numbers, a number of meals with you guys now in different houses and different places. In fact, the last, um, when did you all come over? Was it Tuesday night? Elders and wives all came round to ours on Tuesday night. We had a lovely meal. Just loads of laughter around the table. Good fun being together. In fact, we've got another lunch today as well. So we're really on it this week. Um, particularly because I was preaching. I thought it'd make us look good. It's <laughs> a joke. But we're eating again today. And why? Because it's important, actually. We're just enjoying one of those company. And as a church family, we want this, don't we? I think I quoted this story about this Muslim guy who became a Christian. And uh, he said that I gave up everything to follow Jesus, even my family. And all I got in return was meetings. God, keep us, please. Please keep us from that. If church ever becomes that, we've missed the boat. It's family. It's round the table. And notice the day by day deal here as well. And it's also inviting those you don't know around your table as well, isn't it? And the Sunday morning, it's looking out for one another, faces that you don't know before, and names you've maybe forgotten. You think, I can't go up to them because I've forgotten their name. And they only told me it last week. You know, this morning, I think maybe at least one or two people I've had to say, I've forgotten your name. All right, I do it. You're going to do it. We've just got to get over that and, and get back to this. Just let's be with one another around the table. And yes, let's break bread together as well. And we're going to do the ultimate meal in a moment in one sense, the communion. But Lord, families eat together. Yeah, it's important. Be around the table. Don't just think of your nuclear family, but think of those who are maybe on their own as well. Be intentional. Inviters, includers and integrators. And continue to do that as well. So there's this beautiful share tab. So there's a few ingredients of this early church that we see. And again, I know this is reminding in many ways of what you already know and what I already know, but I need reminding. I need these things reinforced in my life. But we're going to now, actually, no, I wanted, um, that's it, community groups. Yeah, Tim and Bev, just come up here. Just quickly, because if you want to get connected into the church here, one more great way is community groups. Um, so these guys, give them a round of applause, because they are wonderful people. They are. And... Um, They've been uh, sort of heading up community groups and sort of organising things there and helping people get connected in. But just share a little bit that's on your hearts for community groups, you guys. Yeah, Bev, Bev was just going to share first really her experience. Um, um, Tim said, what would I say this morning? Um, and I said something and he said, say that. <laughs> I can't remember what I was going to say. But um, I didn't want to say what it should be, but for me, what our experience of community group has been just gathering with a group of people who are we're all really different um really different and um, we didn't know each other before we met and we've done life together um we've had people pray for us we've moaned at people we've um talked about what's worrying us we've had people pray into situations and over situations and celebrate with us um and we've had the opportunity to do that for other people as well um we haven't had to be special or do anything or 
fit in or wear a certain thing. We've worn pajamas, we've drunk wine, <laughs> um, we've eaten together. Um, we haven't had to speak in a certain way or have a certain wisdom. We've Googled a lot of the Bible <laughs> and messages, messaged elders. Um, and we've grown as well. And it's a joy and a blessing being part of the group. And it's a joy and a blessing growing and thinking that we're going to be part of that with more people. Brilliant. Yeah, so I think what we're sort of like, these are all the different groups that run. Um, and we just, yeah, we'd really encourage you. We've, for us, it's just been amazing just to be able to journey and do life together with other people um, just in this season. And it's been, obviously, with COVID, there's been Zoom. There's, there's now sort of in-person. But you can really find connection. If you're sort of feeling like Sunday morning is one expression of church, and we can come and we can gather, and it's great. But sometimes you can leave and maybe not feel like you've really connected in. But these groups, it's in the week. We've got a WhatsApp group. If you know you're going into a meeting and you want someone to pray for you, you can just put it on the group and people can stand with you. We can stand alongside people. And that's the intention is just to do family, just to do life together. And you can do this in the week. There's all different groups. Um, it says up there, there's, there's a poster at the back. There's a poster in the foyer. Um, but if you want to get involved, you know, speak to the leaders. We're all different. We all bring different gifts. Our groups all look slightly different. But what I think they do, or the intention is, they want to bring fun. They, we want to do life together. We want to stand with you um, within church, within the week. So, yeah, there's different groups. Um, it's like things like Zoom, like we can go together. Like before uh, COVID, like there were certain things that we couldn't go together. You know, if it was that going out in an evening, but we can do things together. You can find a group where you can go if you're in a couple or you can come anyone. But speak to someone. If you want to get involved, we really would encourage you to be part of it. We really do think it will have an impact on your life. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Give these guys a Thank you. Appreciate you guys. And, um, yeah, so if you want to find out more, chat with them, have a look at the info and all the rest of it. Um, but it's just, you know, that's an important way of connecting. This, you know, church is only as good, isn't it, as our... I love one another, really, isn't it? Love one another deeply from the heart. That's what we're told to do. And we just keep working that out through all the different seasons of church life. So should we stand?